Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Something like Airtable, they've got a great API documentation system. So what you do is you create a table in Airtable, you add all of your columns, and you add a couple of sample entries. And then you can open the exact documentation for your database. They generate it, obviously, with scripts on their end. But that is just so amazing because then, you know, you can say, actually, you know, I don't want this column to be a single select. I want it to be a multi-select. So you change that, you reload the documentation, and they've updated it to match. So that's a great place to get started if you're ready to play with APIs. Well, welcome back to iPad Pros. I'm really excited to share today's episode with everyone. Today in the show is Rosemary Orchard co-host of the new Relay.fm podcast, Automators. We dive into how she uses the iPad and talk about how anyone can automate along with some great examples of how you can get started. We also talk a bit about iBeacons towards the end of the episode, which I thought was really, really interesting and a really cool way to automate based on where you are. A quick note about today's episode that we did record this episode before the Shortcuts beta went live. So we did not know about the new ability with the Shortcuts app to run a shortcut within Safari that actually runs JavaScript code right there within Safari. So that we did not know prior to recording. You can find Rosemary Orchard at rosemaryorchard.com and her new podcast can be found at relay.fm slash automators. Episode one is now out where Rosemary and David Sparks discuss calendar automation. A quick note before we begin, that if you haven't had a chance to review the podcast and Apple Podcasts, that I'd really appreciate a minute of your time and doing that. Just search for iPad Pros in the podcast app and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. With that, here's my interview with Rosemary. Enjoy. We're here today with Rosemary Orchard of the new podcast Automators. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. I'm really excited to start listening to your new podcast because automation is something that helps me a great deal. Can you first off introduce who you are and what kind of things you use the iPad for? Yeah. So uh, I'm Rosemary Orchard. I'm a nerd who's all over the internet. Uh, my day job involves being a programmer. I program web applications. Um, and of course, now I'm a podcaster, which is great fun. The iPad is sort of like my entire life, or at least that's what it feels like. If I can do it on an iPad, I do it on the iPad because the iPad goes with me almost everywhere. I have actually changed handbags many times because my iPad won't fit in this bag. Even if I'm going somewhere where technically I probably don't need the iPad, I take it with me anyway. <laughs> so, um, what kind of iPad are you using these days? Well, I have two and a half. Uh, <laughs> That's so what it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I haven't actually sliced it in half. So uh, my, my at-home iPad is the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which is fabulous, and I love it. My go everywhere with me is the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and the half iPad Pro is the 2017 9.7-inch model, which officially uh, belongs to my boyfriend for watching films on planes and controlling HomeKit devices and so on. But I kind of use it as my demo device that is for testing and things like that. When I say testing, that means that it doesn't have the iOS beta on because that's on my daily drivers. Gotcha. <laughs> so you just launched a podcast with David Sparks called Automators. Can you kind of describe what this podcast is, what the target audience is, and all that good stuff? Yes, everybody is the target audience. Everybody can automate something. Because David and I both live within the Apple ecosystem, it will obviously be Apple ecosystem focused. That said, we have nothing against Windows and Android and other forms of automation and platforms. So we definitely want to try and include some of this stuff as well. But the idea is everybody is able to automate something. There is something that you're doing in your life that you can 
make better, faster, more accurate with automation. That's who our target is, basically. Of course, no programming is required. We're actually giving everybody complete automation finished as part of every podcast. So you can just take what we've done and use it, and you don't even need to figure it out for yourself, which is a good place to get started, that's for sure. That's wonderful. And timing couldn't be better with Siri Shortcuts launching this fall. How do you see that impacting what the content of your show is and just automation in general? Well, we'd, we'd started planning the show before uh, Apple announced Siri Shortcuts. And no, we did not have insider knowledge. <laughs> so we were sitting there in the keynote going, what, what, yay, this is perfect for us. But yeah, it's obviously Siri Shortcuts is going to make things more powerful and I think more accessible to the masses as well. Even something like Workflow, which from me as a programmer, it's extremely easy to get started with. You know, for somebody who doesn't necessarily have that mindset and has no experience with these things, it can still be overwhelming. And I like the fact that they they demoed it in the keynote showing, you know, exactly how you can use this sort of thing. And I think Siri Shortcuts is actually something I could see even my grandmother using, just because it's easy to get it started and you can set your own names for things which is really going to make it powerful yeah something i've been using in the beta is just experimenting with a single word as the trigger and i'll use type to siri and just type a word and it does it so i think mm-hmm. you know people playing around with that naming will be quite quite nice to be able to describe your own language to siri definitely yes so automation what in your life continues to delight you and maybe still even amaze you every, every time you kind of trigger that off well, uh, this Christmas, I got into home automation. Uh, my boyfriend was lovely and bought me some home automation presents. So we've got Philips Hue Lights, bought a Sonos One last, I think it was October when they released it, because he uses Android. So I wanted to have something that was not specifically Apple targeted. And also HomePod's not available in Austria, sadly. We've set up a bunch of stuff with that. And like I, I, I sit there in the evenings and I can just keep reading or working. And I don't notice that the lights have turned themselves on. <laughs> and then I sort of look up and it's like, oh, it's 9 p.m. And I didn't have to get up and turn the lights on. This is amazing. You know, things like that. And it's really helpful. I, we've attached just a, a cheap IKEA light strip to the side of the bed. And we plugged it into one of those uh, Wi-Fi switch. And the Wi-Fi switch just turns it on when our alarm is supposed to go off in the morning. Just I think it, we've said it's do it one minute before. And that's so nice because then when you wake up, it's not, oh, my gosh, it's dark and I have to get up. It's oh, I'm waking up and it's already a bit light and I can see what I'm doing and I'm not falling over the socks that I left on the floor last night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of things that I've just, we've just sort of built in and that makes it so much easier. And honestly, I don't know what I would do without workflow. I think pretty much everything I do on iOS would be completely and utterly broken because it's built into everything that I do. Yeah, my, my day job is heavily dependent on a lot of those that I've built within that app. The hardest part about automation for me is just figuring out what to try to automate how do you go about figuring out, you know, what to look into, you know, having it being done automatically for you? It really depends. So if there's anything that's obviously repetitive. So I had something at work a few weeks ago. We have a, a ticket system and we ha- I had to create tasks in a process in the ticket system. This, unfortunately, is not something that can be programmed, at least not in a sit down and write a script sense. But I realized I was going to have to create 60 of these tasks because we needed to have basically the same thing in six different places. That's just the only way to do it in that system. So I was just looking at it going, there is absolutely no way I'm doing this. But Keyboard Maestro has this great thing called Click It Image. 
how about that? So I, I tried that and that worked perfectly. I literally went off and got a drink, came back and just sat there and watched it work for me. And so <laughs> things that are obviously repetitive like that, where you can see I'm going to have to sit here and copy and paste the same thing in multiple times, look for a way to script it or just something that requires lots of steps and accuracy. That's also a great thing to automate. It might end up being done slower depending on exactly what it is. But if you can make it more accurate, that's a definite win. Yeah. Something for me is I didn't like the interface on HubSpot.com for scheduling social media and I learned an API. So I now do this social media scheduling from workflow with a better interface and it's faster and just, you know, if there's a bad UI, you can sometimes get rid of the UI and make it better for you. Yeah. Also, if you've got a lot of programs involved, then obviously if you can get access to the API for these programs. So for people who aren't sure what an API is, it's basically the code backend that you can talk to directly with code or with workflow. You can do that and then you can just execute one workflow and maybe it talks to HubSpot and maybe it talks to Buffer or Facebook or whatever it is that needs doing. And at the end, it adds an entry in your calendar so that you know that that's been done and you can see it and share it with other people. That's really useful. And it's, it saves a lot of time and aggravation as well, because having to log in and out of four or five different websites to do things is not <laughs> something that you want to do. Yeah. And I, I'm not a programmer, but there's a lot of example code on the web to be able to kind of hack this stuff together, even if you have very limited knowledge of, you know, APIs and stuff like that. It's not too difficult overall. Yeah, exactly. And something like Airtable, they've got a great API documentation system. So what you do is you create a table in Airtable, you add all of your columns, and you add a couple of sample entries. And then you can open the exact documentation for your database. They generate it, obviously, with scripts on their end. But that is just so amazing because then, you know, you can say, actually, you know, I don't want this column to be a single select. I want it to be a multi-select. So you change that, you reload the documentation, and they've updated it to match. So that's a great place to get started if you're ready to play with APIs just because it's a really good example. And honestly, once you've learned how to interface with one API, it's just changing the language so that you can make it work with something else. Wow, very cool. Now, on your website, rosemaryorchard.com, you share a lot of different workflows, and one workflow is really excited to see and delayed to see is uh, just good morning computer workflow and you tell your iPhone or iPad good morning and it executes a lot of things like the weather, your calendar and starts playing your favorite music. What do you see with Siri shortcuts rolling out could be expanded that I know HomeKit's probably going to be a part. What other things could Apple take further that aren't yet available within workflow? Well, I mean, obviously, as you said, HomeKit would be great. But what would really be nice at least for some people is being able to read out like any emails or messages that you've received overnight that are from maybe just your VAPs I know some people get a lot of email I know for one I ne wouldn't necessarily want my work email being read out in the morning but if my mom's emailed me that would be nice to know that oh yeah my mom emailed me a cute panda story I get but hey everybody loves cute pandas so things like that and also I mean at some point it would be nice if they could just add inter-device communication so that for example my iPad could check what my watch has found out about my health overnight and say, oh, by the way, you slept for six and a half hours. That's not enough. Or at least then I can mentally make the association. That's not enough. <laughs> the iPad could get access to the health data. That would definitely be a big step forward. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the idea of messages and email would be intriguing, especially with uh, I'm using the do not disturb more with iOS 12. And mm -hmm. sometimes I don't see stuff. So it'd be nice in the morning to just have that workflow run kind of 
catch me up on what I missed when I was in do not disturb mode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how do you currently use workflows? You mentioned you use it in your day job. What do you use it for? Well, everything almost. <laughs> um, it, it, it's hard to think of something that I don't do that that I do that doesn't involve workflow because there's so much of it. Some of it I, I could rewrite to just have it in drafts, especially because it's text-based. Originally, I was using workflow and editorial to create my blog posts, and now most of that happens in drafts. So obviously, some things I could just rewrite to be exclusively in drafts. But uh, uh, there was an example this week. We uh, had some internal restructuring at work, and one of our systems needed to have some data changed, but we had to get certain people to change things manually. And I got a list of about 3,000 entries that somebody had just copied and pasted into an email going, by the way, you're one of the people that needs to update some of this stuff. And it's like, um, there's 3,000 entries here. <laughs> what am I doing? Copy into workflow, split it in by line, uh, have it go through. And if my name was in it, then it just added it to a variable, got the variable at the end and dubbed out. And it's like, right, there were three things in there that I needed to do. Excellent. Thank you. I'll get on and do that. And uh, one of my colleagues saw that I'd already done it. And she was like, how did you do that? Can you do the same thing for me? It's like, yes, yes, I can. Here you go. I'll send you an email with what you need to do. <laughs> It's all sorts of things. I've got things that calculate travel time, especially, for example, my brother and sisters live in a town not very far away, but far enough that we get a train and another train to go and see them. We have to walk to the first train station. So it calculates the travel time automatically based on the usual train time for us so that then it gets added to my calendar, which is really nice. Things like that. Okay. And you mentioned drafts. Was it the latest update of the drafts that kind of enabled you to do more automation there? What how are you using drafts now that you weren't before? Uh, I am doing a lot more automation-based things. Greg is Agile Tortoise, the maker of drafts. He's created some really lovely scripting documentation and just emptied it up a massive amount. Part of the reason why I'm using drafts even more now is because I've got used to writing more code including JavaScript, which previously I was never a big fan of because it was always a bit alien to me. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm much more willing to sit and dig in now, especially in code. And I found the other day I was actually just writing things in the JavaScript. And it's like, actually, there's a there's a finished action that is already here that I could have distracted and <laughs> dropped into the, to the entire thing. Oopsie. Well, you know, program something else. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of things in there. I've got a lot of action groups and quite a few workspaces now. I wasn't sure about the workspace to start with. I didn't think it would fit into my workflow. But I've actually almost stopped using editorial, which I was previously using for my blog posts. And they're now all in drafts. I've got whole sections with, you know, like guest posts that I end up writing for other people and notes that I've made for work, various things like that. It's really nice. Is there any concept of variables in drafts yet? I know it's something editorial and workflow has and I, I use for... As you said, doing blog posts, I'll, I'll have variables in place. Yeah, so obviously uh, inside of a script, you can have a variable, but drafts has uh, specific keys, I guess you could call them. Basically, they're ah, short codes. That's the correct term. Basically, you have two open square brackets and then, for example, the word title or safe underscore title and two closing square brackets. And that would take the first line of your draft. And if you use safe title, then it takes out anything that might cause a problem if you're saving it as a file name, which is something that I've been using for my blog posts, which is really nice. So it's got those sorts of things. Of course, there's a bunch in scripts as well. And if you do something like run a workflow, then you can take what's returned by the workflow as one of those short codes as well. Oh, wonderful. Now, back to workflows. What's Can you kind of describe some of your more advanced ones that are kind of mind-boggling to some people that you can even do that 
on the knife head? Some people may or may not know of the referencing software called Sotero. So I store all of the references of things that I might need to cite in my bibliography in Sotero for my master's degree, which I'm currently working on. And Sotero has an API. So what I have is I've got a collection of workflows, one which gets all of my collections in Zotero, and then uh, I've got another one that goes through and gets all of the items from those collections and saves them. And then what I do is I have my iPad open uh, a split screen. I have Dev and Think on the left, and I have uh, a, one specific, very special little workflow on the right. And I'm going through and I'm reading whatever it is, is I need to read. And I run the workflow. It asks me which collection uh, the item is in that I'm currently reading. And then it asks me which exact item it is. It asks me for the, the location of things, if it, what I am trying to say is a quote or a note, because especially for those in academic circles, if you get it wrong, that's the end of your academic career. You don't want to do that. And various other things. And it saves it all into an Airtable database. And then there's another workflow, which gets everything out of that Airtable table and collects it and sorts it by the tag, because the tags that I use are actually the questions that it's going to be in. And it converts it into a markdown document, which is usually the basis for my essay. So wow. yeah, I'm yeah. using <laughs> two APIs, but I've got about five workflows in there. And it's so powerful. It makes my life really easy, though. It's so. Definitely, I kind of feel a bit like I'm cheating because I make it so easy for myself, but yeah. <laughs> Right. For those not totally familiar with workflows, you just kind of went over a pretty advanced one. Mm -hmm. What are some of the key concepts that's really important to grasp to get the full power out of it? Uh, well, don't forget what you put in is what you get out. This does not just apply to the workflow because you can use a workflow by a share extension, but it also applies to every action. One tip that I would give everybody is when you drag an action into your workflow, there's a little icon that references the app that it's from or the, the kind of action that it is in the top left of that. If you tap on that, it will explain to you exactly what this does, what it takes in and what it puts out. And that makes things really easy because, you know, you can see exactly what's going to happen. The set and get variable actions are also really powerful because it's easy to say, OK, here I've, get, I've you know, I've called this X and then over here I'm getting X. That makes it much easier to track what you're doing. Of course, Workflow has fabulous magic variables, but especially if you're brand new to Workflow, it, they can be a bit challenging to wrap your head around. So I would recommend actually manually setting variables to start with. And then you can, of course, go back and improve things and make them better as you become more confident with these things. Gotcha. And you mentioned editorial and drafts. Are there any other apps on iOS you use for automation in any way? Uh, yes, I use Pythonista. I have a little website called Automation Orchard where I collect automation resources from around the internet. I put links to them on there and I've got a fabulous Pythonista script which goes through RSS feeds for a bunch of people that I've specified as, you know, regularly writing about this thing. And it goes through and it gets all of this stuff. And then I actually transfer it over to Workflow. And I check all of these articles that it's collected for me and suggesting that I probably will need based on parameters that I've set. So, you know, if it includes the word Pythonista in the name, it's probably going to be worth putting on the blog. I create the blog posts through that. And that would not be possible without Pythonista. That would be an extremely complex workflow to do, but it's quite easy to write up in Python, actually. Yeah. Now, back to Siri Shortcuts a bit. What do you think's the biggest limitation with it? And how do you hope to see Apple improve it with future iterations over the years? Well, I mean, 
biggest limitation, at least right now, is we don't have it yet. Uh, we've got some. <laughs> we have a concept of, of what it is, yeah, <laughs> but we don't. Yeah, yeah we don't um, have the nuts and so, bolts. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to actually getting my hands on it. But I think it's a bit of a shame. I mean, they they were talking about the thing previously known as Project Marzipan, which currently does not have a name, where you'll be able to port iOS apps over to the Mac uh, using some of the iOS frameworks. I think it would be really good if we could actually get Siri shortcuts on the Mac at some point, even if it's just to edit things. Because I know I've seen a lot of people, especially if you've got a very long and complicated workflow, it can get quite difficult to edit it, especially if your only iOS device is something like an iPhone SE. Now, I imagine most listeners on this podcast probably have an iPad at the very least. So that makes it a bit easier, even if you've only got a 7.9 inch iPad mini. But, uh, you know, I think we, we do need the option to have it on the Mac as well and integrate it with Siri on the Mac, because Siri on the Mac is something that a lot of people have said is very lacking. I personally don't really use it. I'm much more of a type to Siri person and my Mac just doesn't feel like I need Siri, to be honest. Though I do at least once a month get a message sent from my dad going, why can't I turn the light off from my Mac? <laughs> <Which> is- <laughs> A real shame. I think I think they really need to add it in that on there. Also, I think we just need potentially more hooks and perhaps requiring app developers to at least use so that there's two APIs that you can use to make an app series shortcut accessible. One of them is NS user kit. And I think if they required app developers to use that, that would make things really powerful because then you would at the very least be able to do a lot more just with the basics. I know that uh, several of the apps that I use, including drafts, have that built in already. And there's quite a lot that I can do right now. And it would just be very nice to do that. The other thing that's missing is uh, variables. So if you create a series shortcut right now that says order uh, chai, lattes, something, venti, frappuccino, I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee either. I do drink uh, chai. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, you know, if you've got one that does that, then you can't say order two and get one for your friend. You have to create another series shortcut that specifically orders two of them. Or God forbid you want a a small that day instead of your venti. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. At the moment, you have to create shortcuts for every single one of these possibilities, which is a shame. And it would be really nice if you could say, okay, the word that I say in this place should be a variable that gets translated into a number there. Now, maybe they just aren't ready with that this year. And I know that the team have been working really hard on this. I ran into some of them at WWDC and you could just see that they were excited, but they were also pretty tired. So maybe they just need another year and to get this into our hands first and see what kind of crazy things people come up with now that it's more accessible to the masses. Yeah. Now, what apps do you hope to see really take full advantage of it? in the fall that's a difficult one because honestly i tend to gravitate towards the apps which are going to be implementing this like omnifocus and things like that you know i've I've already seen some behind the scenes sneak peeks i happen to be sitting next to one of the developers as he was working on it um (laughs) i've seen some of the stuff like that but it would be really nice just to have i don't know food ordering apps into implemented because then i could say ahoy telephone order me at X burger from Y burger place. And well, 20, 40 minutes later, a burger would show up at my front door, which would be pretty nice. But at the moment, I don't think that some places will do that. We're going to have to see what happens in that respect. But hopefully we're going to get it in nearly everything. Yeah. A lot of those restaurant apps have like a template that they're all sharing. And it's just like Mm -hmm. a service that they buy into. Hopefully that template maker will (laughs) get 
a hang of it and start implementing that. A couple of services that we have here are sort of aggregators where it's just you go on one website and you can order from, okay, not all of the restaurants, but it certainly feels like all of the restaurants when you're looking at it and you don't know what you want to eat. It's like, actually, now I think I have even less of an idea than when I started. <laughs> And of course, they have apps as well. So it'd be great if they implemented it, because then you could just install the one app or, you know, Yelp or something like that and have it ordered through there. I think Yelp uh, does facilitate ordering in some places now. Actually, it'd be great if Yelp integrated, because then you could ask it to uh, find you a restaurant that's not too busy at 8 p.m. in, I don't know, Chicago next to the water tower or something. And that would be nice. Yeah. Now, I just thought of this. Safari, there is some integration as far as opening a web page is there any future where it gets deeper than that or is it just kind of a hard problem to solve i don't know i mean I, they did something i did not expect this year which is they opened up the password api so that one password can do a lot more integration which i'm very excited by so it might be theoretically possible and this is just thinking out loud i have no idea if you can do this to actually ask siri to open a website and log you in that being your keyword and then at some point in the future, it does open the web page and then 1Password could log you in automatically. I'm not sure Apple would open up their side of things to allow you to use Keychain to log in. But other password app developers may do that. And then if you could have it trigger a workflow and then maybe workflow could at some point or learn from Keyboard Maestro and do the click it image or click at a specific ID found on the page, that would be cool. I mean, you can definitely do that on the Mac already, though perhaps not in a method that most people would be comfortable playing with to start with. So it would be nice to see if we can do something like that. I see a lot of people, they've got something like a gym class and the registration for it opens at 8 p.m. And by 8.01, all of the slots are taken and they're trying to find a way to automate this and make it faster. It'd be pretty cool if you could get Siri to do that for you. Yeah, or uh, yeah, the pre-orders for some limited edition uh, items will, will go rather fast sometimes. So uh, that, that could be nice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, iPhone on launch date. Go, go, go. <laughs> right. Uh, I do see currently you could probably, if you have different uh, workspaces for Safari where you're going to the office that morning and you know I need these 10 web pages open in Safari, you could probably do that now with Siri shortcuts once that rolls out where you have all those URLs and just says, you know, hit play and it opens them for you. Something that is being used a lot for automation right now is X callback URLs. So a URL most people think of as starting with HTTP or HTTPS colon slash slash words. But X callback URLs start with something like drafts or OmniFocus or workflow and they open specific applications. The advantage of them is you have a success, a failure and a callback parameters why they're called callback URLs, which is after you've done this, go here and do that. And that means that you could chain them. And I, I'm not sure how much with the series shortcuts that we've got right now is available chaining wise so that you can say, okay, after you've done this, do that. From what I've seen, there's not a lot, but I do need to get in there and do some more playing, that's for sure. Yeah, my hope is the Shortcuts app itself, when that rolls out, you'll be able to, all of those like individual Siri shortcuts you see in settings currently, mm -hmm. my hope is you'll be able to just add all of those little things into one workflow. Is my, that's, that's what I think might be available. I'm not sure, though. I have seen Rene Ritchie from iMore say on Twitter that what he's heard is that at some point workflow is just going to morph into series shortcuts, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly perhaps. <laughs> and uh, if that happens and we get to keep everything that we've already got, you know, versus being able to import it, if it's just, it's still there, that would be really nice. And then if they just take everything that we've up until now created in settings 
and just add that in, yeah, that that would get really really nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for the fall. Uh, it's gonna be exciting. <laughs> the fall yes. for all that. Uh, I noticed in your blog that you do a lot with OmniFocus. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of dive into some of your favorite workflows? you currently use with OmniFocus? Do you mean workflow workflows or just how I use OmniFocus in general? I guess a little bit of both. Yeah. So how do you use it and how do you use workflow to help you use it better? An important thing to note is whenever I start typing on my iPhone, I'd say 98% of the time I start in drafts because that way I can just type and then it turns out this thing that I was going to write down as a task for me to do is actually something that I just need to email to somebody or make a note of and reference it later. So I start in there and I have an action group where I can turn things into a nice task paper formats, which is a markup format for tasks, which OmniFocus and lots of other task management application systems use. So I start by writing things down in drafts, and then I usually send them to my OmniFocus inbox, where at some point in my day, usually about twice a day, I sit down and I say, okay, right, this belongs to this project, and it's got these three tags or whatever I'm thinking of doing it, well, it's probably going to have to be done in an afternoon because this person's not in the office in the mornings, things like that. I've got a lot of powerful perspectives, especially OmniFocus 3 for iOS has got the ability to nest parameters in the perspectives, which means that I can say things like needs to have the tag of Tim because I'm talking Tim, but I don't want it to have any of the tags that are after Tim's holiday. So <laughs> if you were going on holiday, then I could, you know, filter out all the things that I don't want to talk to you about before you go on holiday. <laughs> You know, it is really, really powerful. And then I've got a couple of workflow workflows that I use. One of them is OmniFocus When Home. It's got a very creative name. It's for adding things to OmniFocus for when I get home. And it automatically adds a defer time and a location-based tag. This location-based tag is not a geotag. It's just uh, one that's in my location group. And uh, I've actually got Launch Center Pro. And I've got a little gadget called an iBeacon which is basically something, it's the size of a large pebble, and it emits uh, low uh, energy Bluetooth. And then when I get within range of that, Launch Center Pro picks up on it and says, hey, would you like to launch your OmniFocus home perspective? Uh, and so then when I open it, it opens my home perspective. Now, this works better for me than geotags because I live on the fourth floor of my building. So if I had a geo-based tag, and I did test this, it was reminding me about half a block away. And by the time I got into my apartment, I'd already checked my list and I'd completely forgotten that I'd even checked it, let alone what was on it. So I do that and I do that for work as well because I work on the top floor at work. So I have exactly the same problem there. <laughs> By the time that I've got to my office, I don't actually remember whether or not I've checked my list anymore. And it's not very helpful to check your to-do list in the lift going up to your office when, you know, you're going to get into the office and then suddenly the telephone rings and you've got 50, 100 emails to answer. Uh, adding iBeacons to my OmniFocus workflow, and you could actually use any task management system and launch into Pro do a similar thing, it has definitely uh, upped the ante and it's automated things a little bit as well because it just reminds me exactly the right time. Now, does that app run in the background looking for iBeacons or do you have to open the app up and then it does it? No, it runs in the background and it can do geotags as well if you want. They have little widgets in Launch Center Pro and you can actually say, okay, so this widget should be triggered when I get to Supermarket A or Supermarket B or Supermarket C. 
And then when you get near any one of those, it'll pop up and go, oh, by the way, here's your shopping list. Um, it's also got a great little feature in it called suppress repeat notifications. So if you happen to be walking and you walk past supermarket A and B and C, <laughs> you'll have only got a notification after you've gone past the first supermarket or when you got within range of that rather than getting 5,000 notifications every time you come and go from a location that happens to be tagged. Okay. And iBeacons, they came out a couple of years ago. What's the... How, are they expensive still or what's the how, how much are those these you days? can get them quite cheaply on amazon the uh the ones that i bought unfortunately are not available on amazon right now they're estimate ibeacons they've just launched a, a new version which is apparently even more energy efficient the estimate website i should warn people is very much targeting businesses and it looks like that when you go to their website you know they, they want to sell these to retailers and people like that but you can pick some up on amazon quite cheaply i think about maybe 10 to $15 each, which is not very expensive considering the fact that they last for a couple of years. And most of them have user serviceable batteries as well. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering, is it, yeah, if you throw them out or how they get charged? No, no yeah. I, I specifically bought Estimote because you can peel off the sticky backing and uh, use a coin to open up the battery compartment. I think it's just coin-sized batteries that go in there as well. So Nice. So they're probably pretty small too? Yeah, yeah, they're quite small. I mean, they put... In the palm of my hand when my hand's curled up a bit, uh, which does not give you any frame of reference. Um, <laughs> they're definitely shorter than a Fisher Space Pen, obviously wider. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, something for reference that everybody has. Maybe a quarter of an iPhone 10. Okay, Going yeah. from uh, bottom to top. Yeah, I think, is it, iBeacons are new set. Apple stores, it's not doing location-based awareness right they use them in the apple store and that's to help so for example if you have a genius bar appointment then apart from doing the thing that they do where they note down like what color t-shirt and stuff that you're wearing sometimes they also use iBeacons to help find exactly where you are in the store or to give you prompts like you know like uh, to check out the accessories and stuff because you're standing next to the accessories things like that so the idea is to help people well, help retailers find people and products in their stores. Yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. I knew iBeacons were a thing, but I didn't know they were really uh, available to consumers really that easily. It's one of those things they've never really been advertised as being available to consumers, but they are. And actually, if you use Home Assistant, you install something it on something like a Raspberry Pi, and it can do a bunch of home automation in the background. Especially if you have a larger home, you can actually use iBeacons to say, when I am in this room do this. But when other person is in this room, do that instead. Yeah. Um, and that's really useful. Obviously, if you want that to really work, you're going to have to carry your phone everywhere or carry an iBeacon everywhere yourself because <laughs> there are location-based iBeacons and there are movable iBeacons. And you can go down a lot of rabbit holes with that very quickly. They currently don't talk to the watch yet, right? No, unfortunately not. But uh, maybe we'll get that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Any other apps besides LaunchTimer Pro that kind of integrate with iBeacons? Uh, yeah, there are quite a few out there. Off the top of my head, I can't remember any, but uh, like Estimote has their own app, which works with iBeacons and can do all sorts of things. And there's quite a few out there. Okay. Uh, I know that there are. So. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Ken Case would add it to OmniFocus for these days. It'd be an interesting <laughs> kind of pro feature. I may or may not have been bugging the OmniFocus developers about that for a while. And I did try and bribe them with sweets. <laughs> so hopefully we'll get that. Yeah. Well, I figured it was worth a shot, right? Yeah. Uh, anything else you about automation you want to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, well, not really. Just remember, everybody can automate things. You know, I've, I've been doing this for literally years, so I'm way into the weeds on it. And it's kind of difficult in some ways for me to think of simple stuff that I can 
just mentioning to people, but you can just play with automation and get started. If you want a really simple workflow to get started with, uh, there is a two action workflow. You grab the text action and then you grab the speak action and then you type whatever it is that you want in the text box and pr press play on the workflow and then Siri will read out whatever it is that you've typed. So that's a good place to get started because then you can start adding in things like the current date variable and then Siri will say, hi Tim, it's date, 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 year, time, etc. you know, and then whatever it is that you've actually added to it. So that's, that's a nice way to get started. Great. And where can people follow you online and find information about your new podcast automators? Okay, well, I am uh, at Rosemary Orchard on microblog and Twitter, and I'm at rosemaryorchard.com myself, and Automators is on relay.fm slash automators. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rosemary. It's been great chatting with you. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros. And thanks again to Rosemary for her time. You can find the show notes over at iPadPros.net. You can email feedback to iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. And please, if you haven't already, leave a review on Apple Podcasts by searching for iPad Pros in the podcast app. I'd really appreciate it and it'll help others find the show as it helps make the show more discoverable. Thank you for your time today and listening to this episode of iPad Pros. We'll be back in two weeks with an interview with Michael from Flexibits, makers of Fantastical 2. Thanks for listening.